Give me a wave if you have had a brilliant summer. I'm not talking about weather now. I'm just talking about in general. Who's, who's had the opportunity to get away over the summer? Just give us a wave. You've all fantastic. Brilliant. Over this summer series, we, we, we've been seeking to just look at questions and answers, and, um, which has been great. It's involved uh, a life story from Mandy, which was fantastic. We've had a couple of uh, video presentations which have been outstanding, and of course, Phil has presented a message, and we've looked at why and how and what about the cross and just different things. And Phil, in his wisdom, gave me the great subject of but. You can read whatever you want into that. There isn't another part to it but had, but he wanted me to deal with the but. So that is what I'm going to be looking at tonight. But before I do that, I wonder if we've got any young adults, anybody under the age of 21, give me a wave. Okay, we've got a few of you in the house, which is great. I wonder if you've ever had said to you, um, you know, you've ever said the word, I can't, and an adult or a parent or a school teacher has picked you up and said this, there is no such word as can't. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, it has, absolutely. I wonder if there's any adults here or parents here tonight who've ever done that to a child or to somebody else where somebody has said to you, I can't do it, and you've said, well, actually, there's no such word as can't. Just give me a wave, parent, if you've ever said those sort of things to your kids. Yeah, I, I, I used to say all the time, I can't, and I was picked up on it on many occasions. But I also realized there was another word in my vocabulary as a kid that I quickly picked up on, and that word was but. I found it very early on, and it was usually as I was being disciplined by my mom. It was usually my mom who was disciplining me, and I would try and deflect away from me to my brother, who's three years older than me, by saying, but what about Lee? Has anybody else used the word but in their vocabulary? Yeah, you know, we all do it, don't we? We try and deflect away from ourselves. The problem is, these words, if we don't deal with the can'ts and the buts, we carry it through to adulthood. And I believe there are many people here who continue to use the word but on a regular occasion. Now, while I've got your attention, I want to just launch straight into it because what I want to talk about tonight, it's on the screen here, is get off your butts. Get off your butts. Now, before you start getting offended with me, the butts I speak of are the B-U-T, the excuses and the objections that we make about certain things. Listen to me. Every one of you have your own buts. They are rooted in excuses, fear, insecurity, and stubbornness. I'll repeat that. They are rooted in, your buts are rooted in excuses, fear, insecurity, and stubbornness. I particularly nailed the last word, stubbornness, because there's a number of people I really felt as I prepared this, as I spoke this morning and also this evening, that there were people who I was speaking this message to, and you're, the only way I can describe it is you're obstinate. There's a stubbornness to your spirits, and you are resting on your butts, and God is wanting to get your attention this evening. 
You may say, well, I'm okay with my boss. Well, I want to just show you a little bit of how it works. Because what is fascinating, as I look at the Bible, the Bible is full of buts and can'ts from very, very godly people. I want to just show you three of them if I can. First of all, I'd like to point your attention to Genesis in chapter 3. In Genesis in chapter 3, we see there that um, Adam and Eve are in the garden. And God had said to them, you can enjoy all this garden, but please don't eat of the tree of good uh, and evil, which is the tree of knowledge. Just don't touch that tree. But you can enjoy everything else in the garden. And so what happens, we realize in Genesis in chapter 3 that there is a serpent that is in the garden, the evil one, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to tag on to him. And he's a very real uh, individual in the world. We we believe in God and we also believe that the evil one is at work as well. And we see it clearly in Genesis in chapter 3. And he comes to them and he says, that fruit's very nice and why don't you eat of it? And Eve and Adam take the fruit and eat of it. And immediately they realize that they're naked. Something happens. Sin enters the world. They realize it. And then God, it talks about in Genesis chapter 3, as he walked in the cool of the day with Adam. It's wonderful. I just love that verse. I reflected on it just this morning. The fact is God still wants to walk with us in the cool of our days. He still wants to walk with us. Nothing's changed. And he came and Adam says, I'm naked. Why are we naked? He says, who told you you're naked? Have you eaten of the, of the tree? Now, he doesn't use the word, but you need to see Adam's response. He's basically saying, Bert, Eve told me to eat of it. Not only was it the first sin, but I believe it was also the first excuse. It was the first but... In scripture, I then thought about another story. There was a man by the name of Jonah. He was God's spokesperson. God, in the Old Testament, used, they called prophets. And they, had, they were spokesperson. They announced God's message to the world. And he, God spoke to Jonah and says, look, I want you to go to Nineveh. These people are, you know, need to hear the gospel message. They're going to turn to you. And Jonah, in his mind, just thinks to himself, there's no way I'm going to these people. But God, they're, they're undeserving. They're, they're just a waste of space. They're doing all kinds of horrible things. There is no way on earth I am going to those people and delivering a message. Jonah uses the but. You don't see it in scripture, but you can see it there. But God, why, why them? They're undeserving. How many times have we done that? When we've looked at people and said, well, why has God done that for them and not for me? But God, look what I'm doing for you. And they get that. I wonder if you've ever done that before the Lord. And that's what Jonah did. You see this, if you know the story, that Jonah didn't come to his senses. He only came to his senses when he was in the stomach of a big fish, the Bible says. And then he ultimately goes to the nation of Nineveh and brings the message of grace and of salvation. But there's another particular book that I just wanted to reflect on. Let me just bring this down because I think I'm more comfortable down here with you guys here. There was another book that I want to just bring your attention to. I wonder if you've got your Bibles and just turn with me to Matthew in chapter 25. Because it's worth noting these books as we get into this thought. Because there's another book 
that I see very clear in Matthew 25. This story, and it is a story, it's a parable. We can't build a theology on it. It's a story that Jesus is telling. And many commentators reflect on the fact that he's speaking, Jesus is speaking about what we've been given. We must be good stewards of, so our talents, our gifts, our time, our resources. And all those things are wonderful. But I want to particularly pick up on the thought of the but in this story. Because what happens is... There's a master, and the master is wealthy and powerful, and he's called to go to another uh, far-off land, and he has three servants, and to those three servants, he determines that he's going to give some money to. To one, he gives five talents, to another, he gives two talents, and to another, he gives one talent. And he says to them, I want you to use the talents that you've been given, and when I come back, I'll see what you've done with them. And he tells the story in Matthew 25 and verse 14. Where the man then comes back, the master comes back, and the one with five talents says, well, I did what I needed to do, I was industrious, I worked hard, and the five talents that I had, I've now doubled, hip hip, and now you've got ten talents, says, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two talents, he says, I was industrious, I worked hard, I did what I needed to do, and I got a Brucey bonus, and there's another two talents, Hey. Four talents, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with one talent says, well, you've got to read it for yourself. In fact, let's read it now. Let's go to the story, shall we, from Matthew 25. And we'll go from verse 24. He says, then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. We see the three servants. Two of them used no buts. They just went for it. But the third servant who was given one talent brought a big, fat, juicy but to the master. And as a result of it, everything was taken from him. You see, this servant was ruled by losing what he already has. Can I just say something tonight? I believe this is a message that must be preached, particularly in the British church. Because we are full of excuses. We are full of excuses why things won't work. We are full of excuses about why it will work in Africa... Why it will work in North America, why it will work in South America, why it will work in Asia, why it will work in Australasia, and why it won't work here. And I believe God is coming to us and saying, listen, there are no more excuses. You may only be the one who's been given the one talent, but you've got to use what you've been given. And let's stop from being frightened about holding on to the little that we have in case we're going to lose it. I have a theory. I think the master would have been far more pleased 
if that servant would have said, well, I really had a good go, I worked hard, but I've lost it, I think he would have said, at least you've had a go with it. And so often, we have been given things, and we hold back tightly, and we will not have a go. And the time for excuses are gone, are finished. Let me say to you, get off your butts. Oh, I thought that would really go down well. You see, this life is worth living. Let me just point something out to you. This is all part of an introduction, but don't worry, my last two points are very, very short, genuinely. This life is worth living. If you think that Jesus came, died on the cross, let's just go back how this happened. They arrested him. He went through the pain of Gethsemane. They arrested him. This Jesus had done nothing wrong. If you don't know anything about God and about the gospel stories, let me tell you, Jesus did nothing wrong. Pontius Pilate said, this man, he's done nothing wrong. I I can't find any, any wrong in him. He had done nothing wrong. Other than brought a message, bring a message of love and of grace to a dying world. All he had ever done was minister. Where there was brokenness, it brought healing and wholeness. Where there was sinfulness, he picked up the sinner and restored them. Those who felt the outcasts, the lepers, he loved them. That's all Jesus did. But they got a hold of him, and they beat him, and they thrashed him. If anybody's ever seen the Passion of the Christ, and I'm uh, I'm sure many of you have, I think it goes some way into showing of what actually happened to Jesus. They beat him. They thrashed him. They pierced his side. They put the crown of thorns upon his head. They spat at him. They ridiculed him. They stripped him naked. They took every, all his dignity away from him. And then they hung him upon a cross. They put nails like that through his, through his wrists and through his feet. And he hung there with the agony and with a ridicule. But it makes it even worse because the Bible talks about how we actually the sin. There was, there, was, there was a sense in which the father turned away because all the sins that had ever been committed and ever to be committed, that includes yours and mine, he took upon himself. And there was a distance between God and there was a distance between his son, Jesus. It was enormous. Why do I say all that? If you think that Jesus went through all of that, to just give you a mediocre, average, you know, safe kind of life, then you are dreaming. Let me tell you, Christ died so that you would enjoy a life of victory, adventure, and variety. He came that you would have life and life more abundantly. That is why Christ came into the world. Many of you are here tonight. I'm just going to be really bold. And you've got your ticket. You've got your Willy Wonka golden ticket. I'm going to heaven. Please don't misunderstand me here. Whoopie doo. Please don't take that out of context. I don't want to be quoted on that, Phil. But you understand. I hope you understand what I mean. There's something about we're going to meet with God in eternity, but there's something about something to be done here and now. 
There's a life to be lived here and now. And some of you have been on your butts, resting on your butts, and God is trying to say to you, get off your butts. It's time to wake up and not smell the coffee. It's time to wake up and live for Jesus. It's time to wake up and live this life of adventure. It's time to wake up and leave behind the excuses and press into all that God has for you. That is the message of tonight. That so many of us rest on our butts. The only way I can describe it is this. I had the joy many, many years ago to go into a company car day. Now, some of you immediately are switching off because you hate cars. John announced to me, John Foster, he says, I have no interest in cars. No interest at all. But some of you have a great interest in cars. And you must understand, I was a 23, 24-year-old. And basically what happened at this company car day, all the car manufacturers there, BMW, Range Rover, Alfa Romeo, they're all the big, best Mercedes, they're all there. And you could book whichever car throughout the day. And you could go and test drive it for about half an hour. I was in car heaven. It was wonderful. Anybody would love that kind of day. Give me a wave. It was amazing. I was a 23-year-old and I was driving around in Range Rovers. I was driving around in high-powered Mercedes and BMWs. And what actually happened was they had a track that you could go on. And you just, it didn't cost you anything. I thought, oh, this is a wind-up. Where's, I've got to pay some money. No wind-up. You could just go and drive it around this track. And you must understand, at that time, I was driving an Astra 1.3, which did 0 to 60 in about six days. It was an incredible car. And here I was being granted Range Rovers, 4.8 V8s, whatever they were. Andy would know all about them. And I got it. I remember. And I did. I remember it was a Range Rover. I was in it. I thought, this is great. This is leather interior. Whack the stereo on. Yeah, get down, baby. It was great. But I remember driving around this track. And it was like I was driving this Astra of mine. I was just puddling along. And then I realized, as I was touching, this car wanted to go, baby. Some of you blokes know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. It wanted to go. And so I opened this thing up. I'm telling you, it was amazing. The marshals were waving the flags to slow down. I thought, stuff the marshals. I'm going for it. They're not the police. It's true. I was around this, and I opened this car up. It was incredible. Listen, none of you, if you have an Astra, please don't take offense because I love an Astra. God hasn't called you to be Astra drivers. God's created in you a high-powered, a high-capacity. He wants you to live your life. I'm not talking about, you know, for some of you, you have to contextualize that for, for who you are. But the reality is God does not want you to live in average. God does not want you to live in safety. Please do not sit on your, I'm not trying to be offensive when I say it, on your butts, B-U-T-S. Get off your butts and step into the abundant life. Stop using excuses. Stop throwing doubts. Get in the fast lane. Open the thing up and see what God will do with your life. Now, I want to show you a memory verse. We're drawing it to a close in a few, well, a few minutes. 
But I wonder if we could just put it on the screen because I really want to lay this in. I was really thrilled. It's very unusual to do back-to-back messages now where I do it in the morning and here. So apologies if you've heard it this morning. But it's not a bad thing, is it, for me to just go through this ministry again. And some of you are hearing it for the very first time. But I want to show you a memory verse that's really, really important for you to understand. And it says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It says that I can do all this through him who gives me strength. But the version that I'm reading from, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you have many doubts, fears, buts, can'ts that you're resting on. But I love this verse because it says there, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Some people have said to me, Christian, why do you live with such a big you know, sense of wanting to do something great for God, something big for God? You never look at things small, and it's true, I don't. But I know it can go bigger because these verses have captivated me. When I've read them in the Bible, I think to myself, this is talking to me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I was really impacted by watching an 11-year-old on the basketball court. Going through his legs, he was doing all this as he was going around. And both Isaac and Lily are big into basketball. And they love it. And he was watching it, Isaac was, because he wanted to get the practice drills down. But I was really impressed by this little lad. Because he said, I just want to do my best for my family. And I want to do my best for God. And then he went on to say, the Bible verse that inspires me, this is an 11-year-old, and he just quotes off Pat, off Pat, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to me. If an 11-year-old lad can memorize this verse and can get it in its spirits, I want you to memorize this verse. I want you to get it in your spirits. Because God wants to say to you tonight, he wants you to wake up. Those who are yawning now at this moment, wants you to wake up and say, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. This is not self-help. This is not motivational, Tony Robbins kind of thing. Because this is all Christ-centered. I can do all things through who? Through Christ who strengthens me. God is wanting to do something in you so you can do incredible things. We've already heard it through tonight's message. So get this. He has a plan for you. You can do all things through Christ He has planned great things for you. Listen to me. These are your things. This is very important for you to understand from this verse. They are your things. Why do I say that without comparison? Because often we take the butts and we compare ourselves. So we see this man playing his guitar. Great creativity. And by the way, you're doing an excellent job just leading and directing these guys. Excellent. Keep going for it. And uh, people might not see it, but... We see it, which is great. But they look at Kevin and think this debonair, smart, Asian-looking, hip-happening kind of rock star, you know, kind of guy. And, oh, my goodness, he's one of these accountant types. He's got a great job. He's got a lovely girlfriend and just everything's happening for him. Why can't it happen for me? Well, it's all because, well, it's just Kevin in it and just look at me. We're making excuses and we're comparing ourselves. So I want to be able to play the guitar like Kev plays the guitar. And why can't I play the guitar? Listen to me. God has given your things. I can do all things. What are your things that God 
has given to you. What God has given to Andy, he hasn't given to Kev. What he's given to Paul, he hasn't given to Kev. What he's given to Scuba, he hasn't given to Kev. Do you get the thought? God has given each and every one of us things for us to do without comparison. So listen to me. Don't do their thing. Do your thing. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. I wonder if we just, after three, not get off your butts. I can do all things. Can we just have it back on the screen? Because I want us to just lay this in. I know it's very basic, but I want you to do it again. After three, if you can read the verse. One, two, three. Let's say it again, shall we? And I want us to do it one last time like you mean it, okay? Because it sounds like a bit of a dirge, I have to be honest. So come on, with some gusto. After three, one, two, three. Now listen to me. That truth of that verse, God wants to lay in your heart if you get nothing else from this message. If you just think it's a load of tosh, all the other stuff that Christian's gone on about. And what is he going on about? We haven't got the three points like we get from Phil. And I want the three points from Phil. You'll get that next. Well, not next week. Actually, you've got even worse, John Partington. So God help us. Phil will be on soon enough. If you get nothing else. Listen to me, Tyler. That verse needs to live in your heart, mate. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Those things that have been spoken over you, those negative things that have been spoken over you, those people who've said you can't, I'm announcing to you, and God's announcing to you, you can. And more than you can, you will. Are you getting it? You will. Not just you can, you will. I expect you to be a completely different man in 12 months' time. If you'll allow these verses to sink in your heart, God is going to do something incredible with your life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what he wants to do in Tyler, he wants to do in every one of us. He wants to do in every one of us. And if we will get this, we will, like I keep saying, fill this room to capacity. Beyond this room, as we begin to believe what God wants to do in and through us. Now, let me just deal with two things. And I've got very, not long now. So, We've talked about the butts and how we've got to get off them and how many of us just want to rest on them. We've talked through all the excuses and all the things that happen around it. We've laid the Bible verse that God says we can. So, what must I do? Well, I want to lay just two foundational, two basic foundational thoughts. And they're very, very basic in, the, in themselves. That you could take literally an hour on each but I just want to put them out there because I think the first thing we've got to do then is we've got to deal with our bots. We've got to face them. We could put it on unnamed. We've got to give them a name. We've got to deal with the issue because what's stopping you entering into this, I can do all things. Well, let me just talk to them for a moment, to you and to me because we've all been here. My inadequacy. Anybody here ever felt inadequate? Anybody here ever felt like you're not capable of doing the job? Anybody here never, never felt capable of being a good dad? You never felt you were good enough? Not a good enough husband? Not a good, not good enough employee? Employer? Not a good enough Christian? People have said all kinds of things over you. You just feel completely inadequate. Well, welcome to the club. Because I've been there as well. 
But I refuse to live there because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What about our insecurities? Anybody here ever felt insecure? You've gone into a room full of academics. This is where I've been at times. Very intelligent people. Talking about all kinds of intelligent things. And I've thought, flipping out, I haven't got a clue what they're on about. Has anybody ever been in meetings like that where you've thought, flipping out, I ain't got a clue what they're on about. You've walked into a room and they've all been smart and happy kind of people, really smart suits and whatever. And you walk in and you think, and you, you see the cars in the car park and got better cars than you've got and everything. You walk in this slight insecurity and you've even asked yourself the question, what am I doing here? insecurities. But listen, I'm not going to live out of insecurity because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And by the way, I love, there is a but here. Look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. It says here, but God, but God chose the weak things, the foolish things, the despised things to show up the hollow pretensions of other people. You've got to read it for yourself. God chose us the nobodies, the foolish things, the stupid things, the weak things, me and you. So we've got to name it. What are, are the other reasons why we place a butt there? Well, our laziness. Somebody said to me this morning, you know, you really need to go a little bit stronger on this. I said, do you really think so? They said, oh, I do. I think you really need to go a bit stronger. So I thought, well, you'll get it tonight then. So our laziness. Listen, some of us are lazy here. We're just being lazy with our lives. It's easier to do nothing than for us to do something. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to me. There can be a lazy side to me. There can be a lazy side to all of us. But that will keep us sat on our butts. But if we're going to get out of that, We've got to deal with our laziness and we've got to name it. Lack of preparation. Lack of application. Some people go further. It's just that they prepare better and apply themselves better. Hello? It's got nothing to do with gifting. It's just that they're willing to work that bit harder than everybody else. Again, use it, just forgive me just for the illustration. In saying that to our Isaac, who just loves the basketball, I said, listen, mate, if you want to be a really good basketball, you've got to practice twice as hard as everybody else. You may say, that's a bit hard. No, it's just the reality. If he wants to be good at something, you've got to practice twice as hard. There are some outstanding preachers. They haven't just become outstanding preachers. They've practiced, and they've practiced, and they've practiced, and they've practiced. Hello? Some outstanding runners. And what have they done? They've practiced, and they've practiced, and they've practiced, and they've practiced. There's very few, you know, really heavily gifted. Football world, Lionel Messi, forgive me, ladies, if you don't like the football. I'm men. But, you know, he's probably one who's very gifted. But most of the others have had to really work at it. And in Christian life, there are some people you look on and you think they're wonderful Christians. All they've done is they're just practicing and they're practicing and they're practicing. I'll come on to that, how they do that. And lastly, your fears. Name it. People stay in the bots because of their fears. Listen to me. All our inadequacies, fears, failings are covered in Jesus. He has your back, he has your front, and he has your center. Simply trust him with your whole life. But you have got to name it. You've got to face it. And the second thing, very quickly, is this. Two foundational thoughts. If you want to step out of your butts into the life that God's ordained, we've now got to fill our life with Jesus. 
Fill your life with Jesus. Jesus knows that you will encounter troubles and challenges. This is part of the rich tapestry called life. Listen to me, this is not a message where now you're going to have no trouble stepping out of here. You're probably troubles crouching tomorrow. But all I'm doing is helping you for tomorrow. Because you will have trouble. Well, nothing's more sure. You will have trouble. I often say, you may think you've married to it, but I got told off by a lady when it said that. So, but, so ladies, you might feel like you've married to it, trouble. But, you know, oh, that went down like a lead balloon. Okay, <clears throat> I'll move on. Trouble comes to all of us. But I love that this is what it says here. When something bad happens, you have three choices. You can either let it define you. Terry, this is for you and for other people who've had it. When, when bad things happen, you have three choices. You can let it define you. You can let it destroy you. Or you can let it strengthen you. When bad things have happened to some of you, the loss of children, miscarriages, family members that have died, jobs that have been lost, businesses that have crashed, what are we going to do? Are we going to let it define us? Are we going to let it destroy us? Or are we going to let it strengthen us? So we need to fill our lives with Jesus. Listen, we need to fill our lives with good messages, with books, people, music, inspiration. We haven't got time for this, but just get, we've got an abundance of material that we can get our hands on. This is practically how you can get out of your bus. You may say, well, this is where I'm, no, no, no. There's no excuses. I'm sorry, there's no more, no excuses. If I hear a butt around this place, I'll be kicking some. Sorry, that was too far. Okay. We want no more butts. There's no more excuses. We've got everything that we need at our disposal. If we need some inspiration, there's music out there, there's podcasts, there's books that we can be written. You, for goodness sake, you can get on the Arena Church website. And if, you know, like I said, you all want to listen to Phil. If, if, if the preaching's not all to scratch, just go and flick on T.D. Jakes or Bill Ibels or You can get them all. There's no excuses. There's no excuses. Young people, there's no excuses. Now, no excuses. If you want to live this kind of life that opens the, the road and goes for it, we have to fill our lives with good things, good messages, good material. There's nothing stopping us from that. And we need to meet with people who are going to encourage us, those who do as good. I mentioned this morning, I don't need to flag here. You've got a great small group and small groups, plural, that are going here. We just love the fact that you're coming together, you're inspiring one another, you're doing one another God, and that's just going to gain more and more momentum in Arena Church Mansfield, and we're believing in Arena Church Ilkeston. And the whole purpose around them is so people can come together and we can do one another good, so we can encourage one another, so we can build each other up. And listen to me, if you are in a moaning and groaning club, get out of it. If your small group is moaning and groaning, I want to say it's not a great small group to be in. Get out of it. Come and join Paul and Lizards. Come and join Philip and Zelius. Come and get in a good club. Not in a moaning, groaning club. There's too much moaning and groaning out there. And it's around the church. Get out of it. It's not going to do you any good. It needs to carry a government health warning. This will seriously damage your health. Spiritual health. Too many Christians are in clubs that do them no good at all. Are you listening to me? No good at all. They completely sap the life and suck the life out of you. And it's all in the name of being spiritual. Is it, Eric? It's carnal. We need to be people that do one another good. So we can fill our lives with Jesus and we can fill our lives with stuff 
that really build us up, that will take us from the bot and bring us into this full life. Have you got it? Yeah. So, in conclusion, there's one final thing that I want to say. Get off your butts. Get off your butts. And let's begin to see God work in us like we've never known before. I wonder if the guys would come and join us just on the platform. I just want to appeal two things. I want to bring two things to us. While every eye is closed and head is bowed very